Welcome back to A Neighbor's Choice Radio. I'm your host, David Gronoski. So glad to be with you all once again across our sunshine state on FM and AM. And it's Friday, which means it's time for our new series we've been rolling out, having a lot of fun, looking at the story of Jesus, looking at the Bible with a fresh perspective. And to do so, I'm joined by my friends, two noted individuals of the printed word we have, Eric Campman, who is the founder of Republic Books, a publishing firm, and Alec Klein, a noted journalist who joins us now. How you doing, Eric? I'm doing great, David. Great. Awesome. And Alec, how's it going over there in Chicago? So all good. Good to be with you, David. Well, very good. And speaking of Chicago, you know, a lot of people have been talking about the, the big uh, change for a lot of folks in big urban centers. You know, that this, this year has been quite a tumultuous year for many people for many reasons. But one of the big things that we're seeing is uh, a rapid uh, turn of events for some of these urban centers in terms of people wanting to escape. So I wanted to turn it over to Eric because I know, Eric, you have worked a lot in New York City, and that's been at the epicenter of this uh, new virus. And maybe uh, maybe you can give us some insights as to what it was like and, and what's happening on the ground in New York City. Well, last uh, time we met, we talked about the power of story. I quoted from Tolkien, what question, what kind of tale have we fallen into? And I can actually, as a person who came to New York, kind of with the uh, kind of a sense of wonder. In fact, Alec and I, uh, Alec did most of the writing, but Alec and I did this article that uh, uh, appeared in the Daily Caller called Is New York Committing Suicide? They changed the title slightly, but that was what we wrote. But I start the article by quoting from F. Scott Fitzgerald in The Great Gatsby. And he really picks up something about New York that actually attracted me there. The city, writes Fitzgerald, the city seen from the Queensboro Bridge is always the city seen for the first time in its first wild promise of all the mystery and beauty in the world. And I came to New York with that attitude, even though I came in the 70s when New York was struggling terribly. Over time, uh, it started fulfilling its promise. And in, in, the, in March of this year, it so, just so happened that I had planned a trip to Iceland to photograph there with uh, one of my sons. And we, I left on the 11th, the day that uh, President Trump announced the closing down of Europe. Well, Iceland, as I found out, is part of Europe. So I worried a great deal, but found on the 17th that we could get on a plane and get back to Manhattan, get back to JFK and get home. And I thought from the perspective of being out of the country that this was a lot of overwhelm exaggeration. And I, I got back to Connecticut where I live and I thought it would be a two, year, uh, two week hiatus, but no, it turned into this pandemic that I did not realize was going to transform for the first time in my adult life what it likes to live in New York. And what I can compare it to is something from the 1960s that happened to me and my brother, David Campman, uh, when we went from West, Virginia, uh, West Berlin through the Iron Curtain and Char uh, Czech Park Charlie into East Berlin. 
And what I've compared it to many, many times is going from technicolor to black and white. A city dying, which was East Berlin under communist rule, and a city uh, filled with exuberance and possibility and color and flair and excitement and mystery and beauty. And that was New York to me. It was always New York to me as a young boy. And the first time I went into New York after the pandemic, pandemic hit was in early July, or early June. And I went into a city that had lost its population, lost its tourists, lost its color, lost its sense of romance and possibilities, and was suddenly transformed into a dreary place, a, a place absent of hope, a place absent of people, a place uh, absent of everything that actually made it New York before. And it was such an eye-opener. The first time in my life, here I am at this stage, and I am seeing New York in a way that I had never, ever seen it before in the 50 years that I have worked there. And I, I just thought that, uh, I talked to Alec about it. Alec is a wonderful writer. And uh, he wrote this incredible article, which is really about what I just talked about. It's about cities really are not just um, subways and uh, roadways and concrete and skyscrapers. There's a romantic heart to a city that actually makes it alive or allows it to die a slow and ugly death. And I'm afraid that New York is on the verge of being the second of those two. Mm. Well, if I could uh, jump in here, I mean, I think what Eric is talking about is kind of the magic of New York City. You know, the, this idea that New York has always been more than the sum of its parts. And I think what's, what's going on really goes beyond even New York City even though New York is sort of emblematic, I think, but it really applies to all or virtually all major cities, I think, whether it's Tampa, St. Pete, Orlando, you, you name it, but we're all experiencing this sort of uh, struggle uh, where the, the magic is, is falling, falling away, if you will, from, from the cities. People are fleeing the cities and uh, it's happening of course, in a very dramatic way in New York, which, you know, let's face it, in many ways is kind of like the Rome of the 21st century, right? And uh, it's, the, it's the energy of the city, the intellectual thought, the diversity, the creativity. It's all those things that sort of make it this uh, emerald, emerald city, if you will, uh, that um, tragically, you know, we, we were concerned whether, whether it will come back or when it will come back. Yeah, which is why we, we I mean, you know, it's not a prescriptive article, but we decided to add some of the things at the end of it that uh, would make a difference. But, you know, I don't even know if those, because really cities are uh, very fragile uh, things. Uh, they're easy to construct, but they're not necessarily easy to keep together once you've constructed them. What's happened here is over the last 10 years with an inflex, an enormous inflex, almost a migration of people in their 20s and their 30s uh, of the world's tourists, 
you know, created a vibrancy and, and, and that actually um, I, I fell into that. I, I felt as a suburbanite coming in by uh, Metro North into the city, coming into Grand Central Station, uh, what a place. I always felt that this was a permanent thing. But coming back from Iceland, I came into a thing that had been stripped of all those things that I loved. And it was necessary at first, but this has continued now over months and months and months. And the, the reverse influx, the, the outflow of people, outflow of money, uh, skyscrapers that have been built over the last five years sit empty. Uh, builded, uh, buildings of all kinds sit empty. My office sits empty in New York. And I look out over New York and I see these, I can see these skyscrapers from my office building on the 11th floor. And I can see the Empire State Building because it's right, looking right at me. And there it stands as kind of a beacon of, and a symbol of New York in all of its vibrancy. Remember that building was built in 1929, 1930 as the Great Depression was descending on New York. Uh, and here we are now in another time where all of this money has been invested, but is it, is, is it going to turn out to be something that's good or have, has this pandemic actually uh, changed everything? And that's really what we were talking about. And is New York also unnecessarily uh, killing itself by not recognizing that these are fragile things and, and the leadership in New York, and I'm not talking about politics or anything, but the leadership uh, can be very vocal, but it's really lacked, I would think, you know, kind of a sense of direction and, and it, 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 what's going to take to save this city from what's happening to it right now. Yeah, if, if I can add to that, I was going to say that I can't remember a time when it was this bad uh, for New York City. And I'm thinking of 9-11, and I remember that distinctly because at the time I was a Washington Post reporter and I was dispatched actually to New York City a day after the attacks. And I actually uh, was on a train carrying a suitcase full of gas masks for my colleagues. Uh, and it was a terrible time, but I, what's, what we're going through now, I think, is even more significant in terms of the damage. And then I even go further back in time to the 1970s uh, when I was just a kid, and I have a, a recollection at the time. My father uh, was the uh, editor-in-chief of the New York Times Magazine then, and he said, let's go for a walk. Again, this was in the 1970s, so we went over to Times Square, and my father said something to the effect of, I wouldn't be surprised if we see a person lying on the sidewalk out and people will just sort of walk over the body or around it without really taking note of it. And as a child, I thought, gosh, I can't imagine that. But that's exactly what, what we saw. And it was a reminder, at least to me, about, you know, the condition of the city back in the 70s, sort of a crazy time, really. But I think what we're experiencing today is even more devastating to the city when you think about what's happening and is it, uh, can they turn it around? Can they, can they bring it back? Uh, Eric, you were talking about some of the prescriptions and 
you know, about trying to, of course, be careful about uh, how we do things with, with masks and social distancing and so forth. But, but the city is essentially shut down, right? I mean, it's, uh, it's in really bad shape. I have family members who are, are leaving the city uh, permanently. It's, um, it's, it's like nothing we've ever seen. And, and we're seeing it not just in New York City, like I said, but in other major cities throughout the country. Yeah, I'm, I'm speaking not uh, somebody distant from this, but actually somebody in, intimately involved. So I had a business meeting last Thursday um, in New York with uh, one of the board members of uh, uh, our company, Republic Book Publishers. And um, we met on 55th Street between 5th and 6th. And the restaurant had indoor uh, uh, dining, but it also had outdoor dining, which we chose. Uh, but we were right on the street and I can't name the number of dump trucks. And these are big trucks came by and you kind of felt as you were sitting in that table, this is somehow inappropriate. It doesn't re represent New York. It's not the, you know, it's, it's not the normal restaurant situation where an amazing garbage truck <laughs> comes by and then, you know, fills up the garbage and then moves on and you're sitting there having a, a very nice lunch. Uh, weird. Uh, and, and yet people, this is how they're being forced to adapt to this situation, which nobody made themselves. I mean, uh, everybody there <clears throat> is dealing with the same thing I'm describing. The reason we thought uh, this was important is I had such a stark um, contrast between uh, traveling to Iceland and getting back in the United States and then being out here in Greenwich, Connecticut, where nothing seemed to have changed, really. And then going into New York a few months later and seeing everything had utterly changed. And the change was dramatic, but not like 9-11. It was an insidious thing. Nobody could see what the enemy was. They hadn't destroyed two buildings uh, they hadn't created havoc of a, a war nature. This was subtle and silent and, and, and not evident to the eyes or even to the smell. Uh, but it was a different place. It was like, a, uh, what was that program in the 70s? The, uh, the something zone? Twilight zone. It was a yeah. twilight zone moment for me. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard a lot of folks that live in New York and work in New York describe a similar eerie feeling about the deadness of Times Square and walking around like it's a zombie flick or something. We're, you're listening to A Neighbor's Choice Radio. We're doing our Trail Thought series here with Eric Campman and Alec Klein. We'll take a quick break, and when we return, we'll continue this discussion about their recent article, the, Is There a Slow Suicide Taking Place with New York City? And what can we learn from this one? Back in just a
And welcome back to A Neighbor's Choice Radio. We're doing our Trail Thought series that we started with Eric Campman and Alec Klein. Eric Campman is a book publisher, Alec Klein, uh, uh, a noted journalist. And we're talking about uh, their recent piece that was in the Daily Caller about the New York City is it engaged in a slow suicide right now. And what does this mean? What can we learn from this moment? What does this tell us about the 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 intransient nature of the things that humans build. I was just going to add that uh, you know Eric and I are both New Yorkers at heart. Uh, you know Eric has of course worked in the city for decades. I actually grew up in the city, and uh, <laughs> strangely enough, David, I thought everybody lived like this. I thought everybody you know took the subway to school and. Uh, I, I never understood the concept of, you know, taking the garbage out to the sidewalk because in my day, you know, you'd open the back door of your apartment, uh, just put the garbage out there. But, you know, one of my favorite activities that I think has sort of disappeared from the landscape of New York is I would just uh, love to walk up and down Broadway and sort of, you know, eat my way uptown. I would get, grab a slice of New York pizza and get a grazed papaya hot dog and you you would watch and listen to people throughout the city and it was a real wonder because there was a vibrancy to the city the conversation central park the beauty of that and uh you know the concern is that when is that life going to ever return uh and, and again this is not just new york it, it could be tampa it could be orlando it could be florida california you name it uh, when will we ever be, be back to the world that we, we once knew, if, if ever? And I, I'm not sure if we know the answer to that at the moment. Yeah, it's kind of a lament. Uh, you know, you have a wonderful, when the, in the article, you have a wonderful first line, and it just says, listen, the sound you just heard was of a distinct lack of traffic, a dearth of hum, the slight sound of a great city, in a death spiral. Uh, I think that's what, what what's, I'm trying to communicate because in all my years there, my assumption is uh, that the noise would be there, the crowds would be there, uh, the difficulty of finding a taxi cab would be there, the crowded subways would be there, the full office buildings would be there, the great restaurants would be open and not closed. Uh, in other words, there was a life to this place that was extraordinary and different from most other places I had ever been, which is what the attraction to me was to the city itself, the jobs and the, the youthfulness of the city. When I moved to the city, the Upper West Side was, was dead. The buildings were languishing. They were not being repaired. It was pre-Depression New York. But by the 1990s, that whole part of New York had become hot. The way they describe hot is, is the real estate. You know, put a, an apartment on the, the market and it gets uh, taken up immediately. The young families were deciding to live there and send their children to school there, on and on and on. It was a place that I could identify with. And uh, it, if you go to The Great Gatsby, that's, New York is one of the characters in that novel. Uh, and that New York somehow in the last six or seven months has gone through this epic change that is changing the whole nature of the New York story in ways that we can't fully understand at this point. 
And if I could bring this back to what David was saying a moment ago, it's this, it really goes to our faith and to the Bible, this idea that the destruction of what we thought couldn't be destroyed, right? I mean, that's in the Bible in, uh, in talking about Jerusalem. No one thought that that would ever happen, but of course it did. And it kind of, you know, is a reminder of the ephemeral nature of life, right? That what we think is immutable, things that we see and touch are, are really temporary. And the things that really count in some ways in my mind are the things we can't see and touch, our faith. And, uh, and that's really what's most important. But I think a lot of that's gotten lost today in all of the hubbub over, you know, what's going on in the world. And um, so maybe in, in a way, what's happening to the great cities, whether it's New York or elsewhere, is a reminder that um, what, we, what we think is important really isn't these things that we, these monuments to, to the world that we live in. Now, it's, it's funny because uh, I, I did a, a talk in January in New York at a church, Brick Church, and the talk was Finding God in New York City. Uh, and, uh, you know, my gratitude in New York is it's exactly where I found God. I, I was actually hiding from him, of course, he did, but uh, God was never far away. But it was there that actually brought me to this uh, moment in time. Uh, out of the kind of uh, materialistic way of thinking I had been thinking and accepting fully and, and, and with, with uh, amazing gratitude, the, the truth of the story of uh, Jesus Christ uh, and him crucified, to quote from uh, St. Paul. Uh, and for that reason, I, 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 I feel that maybe New York will go through a great awakening of some kind, because certainly the materialistic part of New York, which we have been talking about, uh, has been um, changed. You know, I think that's a good point. You know, maybe, you know, we need more faith to resuscitate our cities. If you think about it, uh, there's, um, you know, New York is, of course, for sort of those sort of e eternal uh, American attributes of individualism and the pursuit of material things. Uh, but uh, maybe this is a recasting, if you will, of of our great cities and how they're viewed and, and how we live in them and how we live our lives. Uh, so in some sense, I think uh, there can be purpose in the destruction uh, and something better can come out of it. Well, I think that's a good note to leave on, on our, this edition of Trail Thoughts. Always a pleasure to hear from you, Eric Campman and Alec Klein, and we'll continue on the trail of life together when we meet again. So thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thanks, David. And you've listened to another edition of A Neighbor's Choice. Godspeed.